0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you again. And with a preview of what's coming up this week, we have got later for our inbox, a girl has been introduced to a guy by her friends, but he isn't as strong in his faith as she would like. And so our friend Josh Zychik is going to provide some insights on how she can interact with him moving forward. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and as I promised last week, this is part two of our conversation on adulthood after college, uh, what to expect, how to navigate it in a number of different areas, and this week specifically, we are going to answer questions from young adults who are in this space, so our pool of interns here at Focus on the Family for this summer, they have questions, we have experts here who have answers, so I want to re-welcome Aaron, Kelly, Doug, and John. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hello. Okay, here we are. So let's, without further ado, let's jump in. Who's our first questioner?
1: Hi, I'm Kennedy. Uh, I have a question for Doug on financial planning. Uh, are there any investment accounts that you would recommend that we start looking into immediately out of college, like doing Roth or an FSA or anything like that? Yeah, so... A Roth is a great way to go because you're young and you have a whole lifetime of earnings that will grow tax-free um, over your lifetime. So so I think it's really smart to use that vehicle. Probably the, the, the best advice I can give you um, as you uh, work with an employer, if they have a matching program, no matter what you're investing in through that matching program, you should max that out. Like there's no investment that has a guaranteed hundred percent return so if you have a two percent match then you definitely want to put two percent into that retirement program so they'll match that uh, if it's a hundred percent um with another two percent that's that's a great that's the best advice i can give you and you want to do that throughout your lifetime good point thank you
2: hi i'm brooke Uh, Long story short, I'm getting married right after I graduate from college, which is a pretty sharp transition from being a full-time student. Do you have any tips to make the transition as smooth as
3: possible? Hmm. Well, congratulations on getting married right after college, but that is a huge transition because there's so much change that occurs when you get married anyway, so lots and lots of change. So I just encourage you, A, of course, do premarital counseling, to be equipped of how are we going to handle these changes together? How are we going to communicate about it? What if conflict breaks up? Because it will. Um, And so how do we navigate that together in a healthy way? As well as it's looking at so many different things as far as how am I going to take care of myself physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually? And because, again, that's the definition of an adult, and you're stepping into this adult relationship and being aware, like if, you know, moving away and having this new big transition... Am I dealing with anxiety? Am I dealing with depression and just being aware of what am I feeling? And you know you have this journey buddy with you now, your your spouse, and having those communication skills to talk with him about it, but as well seek seek counseling from a, a Christian counselor um, that can support you if you need that. Just being aware of, you know at what point do I see that that would be helpful?
0: Awesome, thanks, Aaron.
2: Hi there. My name's Nathaniel, and this question is for Kelly. You mentioned a little bit about how uh, you sometimes see people who address cover letters incorrectly. What's the most common big mistake that you see in the main portion of a cover letter?
4: Great question. Thank you. I, I've i seen cover letters that are more about the applicant. I've always wanted to do Okay, the difficult part about that is that what I'm looking for are actual skills, the degree potentially, something very concrete that you have done that leads me to believe you're ready for this next step of whatever X is. So, and sometimes the cover letters have the wrong organization listed on them. Sometimes they go on and on and they're just really too long. Ideally, a cover letter should state where you found the job, where you saw it, what you can bring to the job, concrete skills that you have that can be brought to that job, how you can be reached and that you're very interested in the organization very simplistic a very short cover letter
0: yeah that's really good I always think I was just going to add quickly as a hiring manager and I've hired a ton of people I always want to see whether this is on a cover letter resume or whether it's in an interview how are you going to make my job easier you sell yourself like you're selling a show or you're selling a product. Uh, You're selling yourself as an applicant for this position. And it's like, here's what I'm going to take off your plate. Here's what I'm going to add to the team that you clearly do not have on your team. And that's just like that, probably that alone coupled with, do I want to do lunch with this person? Like, do I even like this person? Are they friendly? Are they gregarious or whatever? We're going to spend a lot of time together. I need to like you. So those are probably my top two things. Anyway, so thanks so much for the question.
3: My name is Alyssa. And my question is, how aggressive should I be at paying back my student loans? Or should I uh, not be too aggressive and take that savings and apply it to something else?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I would recommend just getting married and foisting them off on your future spouse, but I'm sure our panel will have other advice. Who wants to take that one?
1: Well, I can speak to it i I would say that when if you have student loans and you have any other types of loans, say you have a car loan, you should um just pay off the ones that have the highest interest rates first is my recommendation um and because you're dollar for dollar you're paying more interest on those each day that they're outstanding and student loans can be oftentimes lower interest loans so i would i would stretch those out uh one thing my wife and i didn't do is she- as a teacher, she could have had her loans waived for where she taught because she was in a low socioeconomic area. And we kind of blew it. We didn't know that. And being frugal person, we were like, oh, kill it, kicking <laughs> ourselves for that. But because um, we could have had a lot of it waived. Um, and, and that's sometimes an option with your student loans, depending on what your major was and what you do. So, okay, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Uh, hey there. My name is Ian.
5: Um, this could be a question for all you guys. But um, I just graduated college, and I'm just kind of like trying to figure out myself out with life and everything. And uh, in terms of a five year, like five year or ten year plan, what are the main components would you consider, or what
2: are the top five things you should consider in, when you make a five year to ten year plan? Besides the fact that you should, God's important. I would say five to ten year plan. Um, one of the things that I have really benefited from is having mentors who have been there whether that is my parents, whether that is counseling and have somebody who can really walk you through that, who knows what your strengths are, who knows what some of your weaknesses are, because they may see something in yourself that you don't see in you yet. So I would say as far as essential components for a five to 10 year plan, um, don't keep it to yourself. And and find somebody who can really walk you through it.
4: I'd like to add something else to what John said. In the the workplace, I think it's important to have those regular meetings with your supervisor. Let them know what your goals are, how they're going to help you attain those goals. Really set a plan out. Like, oh, in the next six months to a year, I want you to have learned X. And you're going to be learning that. You're going to be focusing in on that. If you set the expectation that you have these goals in your career, let your supervisor come alongside you and help mentor you in that.
0: Uh, Hi, my name is also Alyssa. And like Ian, I'm a recent grad. And sometimes when I think about the future, it kind of just looks like, this black hole of uncertainty. And so my question would be, how do you go about making wise decisions about the future when it feels like every
3: single thing could like define the rest of your life? Mm
0: -hmm. Good question.
3: I would say that I see a lot of young adults that come into my office to visit with me, um, having a lot of fear about adulthood. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that they come in to talk about it because When you make decisions, when you are stirred up in fear, sometimes you don't, you're not thinking clearly and you're not thinking as your best self. So I would say take time to really process what is my fear when I'm making this decision? What's the worst thing that could happen? What do I experience even in my body? You know, is my heart racing? Do I feel sick to my stomach? And what would help me? In this, am I spending time in prayer? Am you know going in and talking to someone? Do I have a mentor? Do I have a friend that can come alongside me? Because stepping into this new season is overwhelming, and so it's it's also validating yourself that it's okay that I'm overwhelmed. It's okay that this feels like a black hole, but I also have people to surround me who's on my team. And most importantly, I have God on my team, and he is my source of truth. And so that's who I turn to, to his word, to him, when I feel scared, when I feel fearful. I was just going to add, Alyssa, um, we actually
0: interviewed not too long ago, um, author Emerson Egerich Mm -hmm. on our show, and he's written a book titled uh, The Four Wills of God. And it really talks through, like, what are the things that in scripture it says, this is the will of God for you? And he really breaks it down to four things, you know, and that you would love God. And uh, there's one related to um, uh, sexuality, and they kind of like run the gamut. But it's the point that he's making is that within the parameters of scripture, you know, there are certain things that are absolutes. And beyond that, there is a ton of freedom to make decisions. And, you know, I think too often we get into this uh, frame of mind where we're like, I need to find out what God wants me to do next year. And if I don't, it's going to be making the wrong decision. Or I'm going to go off. I'm just going to go, you know, out into orbit somewhere and never be able to come back. Or... You know, I say this in relation to dating a lot. You know, if you marry someone, date and marry someone who loves God, is growing in their faith, is a mature adult, is heading in the right direction, and with whom you feel like you can build a life and are, like, attracted to, (laughs) you probably can marry that person. And there are probably a 100,000 people... Okay, maybe that's a lot, but let's say there are a uh, hundred people in the world that fit that description, and you could comfortably marry any one of those people and be honoring God in the process, and so have the freedom to make decisions within the parameters that scripture sets out, and I think you'll, you'll do just fine. So, all right, next question.
2: Hi, uh, my name's Lauren. As someone who grew up in one place and went to college very close to that area and most of my family who I'm very close to is in one area. Um, The idea of graduating and potentially moving across the country or even just to a different state is kind of intimidating and very scary for me. Um, I'm wondering, I was this question for John, I guess, if moving across the country like you did, if you have any tips on how to um, become independent from family and sort of transition into living and depending on um, yourself financially and independently smoothing
4: that transition?
2: That is such a good question, and I can really relate to a lot of what you said because we lived in the same house from the time that I was little to through college, and I ended up going to school an hour away from where I grew up. And so I would say if you if God does open up a door for you to move across the country, one of the best pieces of advice that I was given from— one of my roommates at the time, was just try to give it a year because so much will happen in that first year. You learn so much about the community there. You learn to make new friends. You get in a rhythm of paying bills that you've never paid before. You find out what your priorities are and what your needs are. So I would say if a door opens up for you to move across the country, consider that first year kind of a trial run. And see how it goes, see if it's a good fit, and maybe if you like it, um, you can keep going in that direction, or if you don't, then just know that God has got you even then, too.
3: Mm. Hi, my name is Katie, and I have one more year of school left, so I was wondering if you guys had one thing that you wish you had done to start preparing for that transition into adulthood or grad school or whatever it is.
0: I'll weigh in on this. I, I wish uh, I describe only half jokingly sometimes as my twenties as kind of a wasteland. And some of it is because I didn't put a lot of thought into really where I was headed and how I was going to get there. So I did, I put a lot into my college experience and I did a lot in college and whatever, but then I, I literally was holding a diploma one day and was like, where do I go from here? And so then it just became this weirdo, like kind of crapshoot of like, (laughs) what am I doing? Um, So I would say spend this last year looking ahead at some of the opportunities that you have before you and how you're going to craft, like, you know, does an opportunity possibly involve a move? Are there, you know, internships that I can avail myself of? Clearly you're doing that. Um, There might be something that, you know, you transition into that's going to give you a little bit of a skill set elsewhere. And then also just being willing to um, maintain and cultivate the relationships with people you already have. I mean, again, it was a very fearful thing for me to leave college and feel like all my college friends were now just lost to me and stuff. And how am I going to maintain connection with them to have some continuity through that? And then looking ahead, too, at... What am I willing to take risks in? So for me, it was in the job front. And I really, I'm kind of naturally a risk taker. So it wasn't hard for me to do. But to say, if I, you know, to not try to plan everything out, because I think I've known a lot of young adults who rather than taking a risk or taking a job and quote unquote settling for something that could become a good opportunity they're constantly waiting for the better opportunity and then what they do is they either just sit in something lame or they go and like get another advanced degree and then there's someone who has like four advanced degrees and no job and a bunch of debt and that's not good either so kind of just that elizabeth Elliot is known for saying you know do the next thing what's that thing that god's put right in front of you have the courage to take that while looking around you and surveying you know maybe 10 feet ahead and what's the possibility there but always being willing to take that step and learn what you can along the way so
3: i love that and thinking back to my senior year of nursing school i um i'm just so thankful i don't know why i did this but i explored just possibilities i knew i wanted to travel i knew i wanted a higher degree so i um tried to go into the air force Mm. as a nurse and the door got slammed and so I got into the army and I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go in the army. But then shortly after that, I met Greg, my husband. Well, I had met him prior, but we reconnected and started dating. And so it was just such an interesting thing because I was willing to step through that, which I, we had no military in our family. It was way out there for my parents, but I'm so thankful. I at least stepped into that to try because then what ended up happening is I got married and what what did I end up doing? Traveling and exploring the world, and getting a higher degree, and all those things came true. So it's just looking at. I love that quote with, from Elizabeth Elliot, Lisa. That yeah, do the next thing. Dream, dream about what do I want? What you know, and what would lead me there? And it's just a it's a fun season. It's a scary season, but it's also just a really fun adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great.
3: All right. So any last minute uh, bits of advice that you'd want to leave with our listeners? Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, I was I was thinking about each of you have alluded to it, um, having that growth focus, because so often what I'll hear from parents is, what do you want for your kids? Well, I want them to be happy. I want them to be happy in their marriage. I want them to be happy, you know, in their career. And so it's just recognizing. And I wish somebody would have said this to me. Happiness isn't the goal. Mm -hmm. Growth is the goal. You think about even if you're stepping out of college and getting married, there's scripture that says those who marry will face many troubles. And so the reality is we're going to go through hard things and that's okay. It's what are we going to do with that? How are we going to grow from it? And how is God going to use this to piece it all together and maybe redirect or connect me with something new, grow something in me, a blind spot? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But just recognizing happiness isn't the goal
0: yeah that's so good Aaron and it actually reminds me something I would add to that is take be willing to take a hard look at or ask yourself some hard questions now because everyone we're always assumptive that we're healthier than we are and we're usually not and so i it was probably just several years ago through a Bible study that I did that I realized that I had some patterns like from my family from my past that I thought were totally normal that I had just you know, taken upon myself, and I had to actually identify those and learn to break them. And so if you're, you know, I mean, this is something you could start today. Um, I, I find that one of the biggest blind spots we have, whether we're young adults or otherwise, are um, our ability to communicate well and to do conflict well. And everyone thinks that everyone else has problems with conflict, but they don't. <laughs> but I could tell you right now, I come from a family that was extremely passive and moving towards passive aggressive behavior in conflict. And of course, when you're just hanging out at family reunions, it's all good. But when the rubber hits the road and people start, you know, getting in each other's bit in it, then it gets problematic. So don't wait for that to happen. Learn how to listen to others how to speak up how to you know care for others in in conflict how to do that well and that's going to serve you in the workplace it's going to serve you in a future marriage it's going to serve you in friendships now Um, but don't assume that you're just Mr. or Ms. Health um, in all your emotional and (laughs) psychological patterns because you're probably not and if you think you are ask a close friend they'll tell you otherwise so you guys thank you so much
1: can I add a, yeah, add a little comment a closing one principle a uh, financial principle that I live by that I think um, has served me well, I think you know can really serve you well is um based on proverbs thirteen seven and it's uh it says that one person pretends to be rich yet has nothing, another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth hmm. and the idea of that is is we we tend to want to. Arrive before we've arrived, you know. We we want to have the nice car or the nice apartment or the nice house, and we go into too much debt for it, and we end up really having nothing because we owe the bank more than the things are worth, or you know that kind of thing. Whereas if you're really frugal and you do the budgeting uh, that I recommended, you you really um, you just living below your means, you can build great wealth, and and it, I've really found that to be true. So that's awesome. a a good principle to live by financially.
0: Thanks, Doug. Yeah, you got well, it. Well, thanks to everyone out there who asked questions and thanks to those of you panelists here who answered them. I really appreciate the insight and I learned a few things as well. Thanks, Lisa. Thank, thank you. you.
5: Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
0: As we finish out the show, we open up our inbox and this week we get to invite my friend Josh Zychik. Hey, Josh. Hey, Lisa. All right. Well, you're going to answer a question, not from a guy, but about a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're not sure if he's listening or not, but this will be good. I hope he is. One of one of our listeners says, A few of my friends who are not believers introduced me to this guy. He's indicated he's interested in me and assures me that he's a Christian, but he isn't plugged into a church. He acknowledges that he needs to change this, but how should I respond? How do I humbly say quote, your faith is not as strong as I want it to be without seeming self-righteous. Should I go out with him while he looks for a church to see if I like getting to know him? If I step away, how long do I need to give him space so I know he is pursuing Christ and not just trying to impress me?
5: Yeah, there's like six questions in that question. (laughs) I love love the inboxes. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me say this. Um, So my wife and I, we help out with our college career ministry. And I was having almost this identical type of conversation the other day. And one of the ways I tried to introduce this concept of wisdom and how to discern what's good and right about dating this particular guy. So we were talking to the gal, and we're driving with the gal uh, for like 45 minutes. And in talking to her, the thing that we said was, there's like three types of couples out there for me. Um, There's the type of couple where I know the guy, I know the girl. I, I know where they're both at with the Lord, and I'm excited for this impending marriage. They're engaged, right? Then there's the one where uh, I know the girl, but I don't know the guy, or vice versa. And I'm excited about her, but I don't know him. I just don't know him, so I don't have a flag for him or against him, but it's just, you know, I'm I'm happy, but I'm not excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this final one where it's like, I know her, I know him, and or one of them, and it's not good, mm-hmm. it's just not good. Mm-hmm. And this question really speaks to that middle group mm-hmm. where, listen, you are you know what it means to serve the Lord. You know what it means to be part of a church community. You have people speaking into your life. You're intaking the word of God, and he's not. So first of all, quick answer, don't date him. Just wait. Um, if he wants to serve the Lord, that's the most important thing, and he's going to lead you wherever he's at. So if he's not walking with the Lord... Um, if his walk is shallow, if his walk is um, only superficial enough to get you to go out with him, that will dissipate over time so just don't date him it's mm-hmm. just not i would I would call it not wise at best um but is it wrong to tell him that um is it necessarily no I don't think so i'd be honest and and for this young woman, I would just argue that Um, Always date in community. Everything is safer in community. If you have a healthy church where people can speak, can do the one another's, the love one another, forgive one another, confess sin to one another, then you would have a place to speak, uh, you know, what's going on in your life to older women. And they can speak into your situation. Older men could come along, any future guys that she's interested in. And it would be safe because you can have an honest dialogue with multiple perspectives speaking in.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting because it reminds me of I was in this situation once and I remember just feeling like heading towards resentment because I was the one who Mm -hmm. was always initiating spiritual conversations. Mm -hmm. I would initiate prayer. I would be like asking awkward questions. And I felt like he, you know, kind of to your point is like if he's just now getting around to admitting that maybe he's not where he should be and maybe I should attend church. Well, he should be working on that solo apart Mm -hmm. from trying to date or trying to find a wife or whatever, shore it up where you are and work on what's first and foremost, and then go after it from there. Because I feel like now there's a difference in, for example, I have a great couple friend. uh, She's a close friend of mine. She met her husband online and Uh, he quickly, he started asking her questions and he's very solid in his theology and stuff like that. And she, and he realized in short order that she was not even a believer. (laughs) She thought that she was a Christian. Well, all of a sudden she's like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what you're talking about. But the cool thing is she took the initiative of like, I need to find out what this is about all of a sudden it didn 't become just tell me what I should believe, mm-hmm. just tell me she literally took ownership of her faith, grew exponentially, and they got married yeah. and so it was kind of like she just knew for herself apart not like I need to snag this guy, so I need to adapt to his spiritual beliefs. so I thought that was really cool, that, yeah, you know if you see that initiative um that's a good thing to see but that still requires time oh yeah and context it
5: matters it's not like if the guy just moved to town within the last six weeks he hasn't found a church yet that's totally right. different then <laughs> right yeah church yeah i used to do that when i was in high school like um yeah.
0: you're not where you need to be <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. so good point well thank you so much Absolutely. Josh, for weighing in on that okay folks um as always we finish out our show By letting you know what's up, you can find us at Boundless.org. You can find us on social. Also, we love it when you hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review because that's how other folks find this show. And hopefully you're passing along the advice that you're hearing in these inboxes and in the rest of the show because that's how we grow together, again, referencing community. So I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show.
1: The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. (laughs)